going to jump into our series for uh, this next few weeks uh, as we just look at just the beautiful coming of Christ, the, the, the birth narrative of Jesus. And uh, it's so easy to kind of get distanced from the true meaning of Christmas with everything going on. Um, and so I, I need to just make sure, uh, before I, I really start this message, I, I want to make sure, does everyone know the secret about Santa? Does everyone know the secret? If there's someone that doesn't know the secret about Santa near you, earmuffs, like mom, husband, whatever you got to do, earmuffs. Okay, if you don't know the secret about Santa, all right, because this could, this could get weird for somebody. Okay, so here's the secret. Santa, Santa's not who you think he is. He's not real. Deep breath. We are going to survive. We're going to survive, everybody. So while there probably may be some, you know, heavyset gentlemen in the north who like to wear red trousers and have long beards and who like hanging out in deer with deer and who probably have short friends who make cookies, all of those things, um, while there probably are men like that, there is no one that is sneaking into your house this time of year to give you presents. Now, someone may sneak into your house and take presents. That happens pretty often this time. But he's not going through all that effort to give you anything. And so if you need a place to take your milk and cookies, I'm a good home for them. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't exist. If anybody tells you differently, they are a liar. They sit on a throne of lies. They probably smell like beef and cheese, you know. So some of you guys know that's in a... It's an Elf quote. You guys know that movie, Elf? You've you got to see Elf. It's like uh, they only play it like three times a day for the next month. So um, It's my son's favorite movie. He calls it Buddy the Elf. If, if you've seen the movie, then you know that like Buddy the Elf, like, he, he can't be convinced that Santa's not real, right? He goes to New York City to, to find his, his real dad because um, he finds out he's not actually an elf because he's like 20 times bigger than the elves. So he goes to New York City, and, and it kind of explains how much he doesn't um, he can't be told otherwise when he goes in this department store that's kind of like Macy's called Gimbal's and he's walking around and the manager grabs him because of course he's dressed like an elf and the manager takes him around the corner to put him to work. <laughs> he's just walking around the store looking for something and he goes, ooh, what is this? There's all these Christmas decorations. Ooh, what is this? And the manager says, this is the North Pole. And uh, he's like, no, it's not. And then they go back and forth, no, y yes it is, no it's not, no, yes it is, no it's not. They go back and forth. He could not, there's no way on this planet or in that movie that they were going to convince Buddy the Elf that that was the North Pole. Why? Because he had been to the North Pole, right? He couldn't convince him that the guy that smelled like beef and cheese, he could not convince him that that was Santa Claus because he knew Santa Claus. In fact, he tried to stump the fake Santa Claus and said, um, he said, okay, if you're Santa Claus, then what song did I sing you on your birthday this year? And it was the dumbest question ever. He goes, Santa's like, happy birthday? You're like, yeah, yeah, it was. I, had you, you, I thought I had you there. Um, he couldn't be convinced otherwise. He had real belief because he had seen, because he had experienced the North Pole. He had experienced Santa. And so over the next three weeks, what I'm praying we do is that we experience Jesus. I pray that our faith is built up. Um, through, through the word of God, and I pray that through the community that God's building, that our faith would be built up. Um, and and we find ourselves experiencing greater joy as we put our faith deeper and deeper in Jesus. We'd find a, a deeper-seated peace of God as our faith is more deeply rooted in Jesus because we all have seen and no one will be able to convince us otherwise. There's been many times in my life where I've had to look myself in the mirror and say, you know what, Kyle, you don't believe as much as you say you do, or as much as you think you do. 
Because if you did, then your attitude might be a little bit differently. If you did, then you'd probably be walking in obedience right now and not disobedience. I've had to be honest with myself, and I don't know where God's going to lead us today and lead you today. But I know for every single one of us, God's given us a portion of faith that I believe through his scriptures and through, this, through the text, it's going to encourage our faith. And over this series, we're just going to talk about it's not what it looks like. And that's, a, that's kind of the faith journey. And so where I want to go today, I actually want to, to, to lead us into the birth narrative. So we'll be looking in Matthew 1 and Luke 1. And usually you guys know me, I'm pretty textual and kind of expository preaching where I just kind of like work my way through the text. And, and do it. I'm doing it a little bit differently today, so, um, so let me roll with that. We're in Matthew 1 and Luke 1, and there's these three encounters that these three people have that are so similar, but, but they're so different because their situations are, are different, even though we see so much similarity. in Those three people are Joseph and Mary. And then Zechariah. You know who Joseph and Mary are. Uh, Zechariah is John the Baptist's father. That's actually a, a beginning part of Luke 1, is the, really the coming and the birth of John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin. So as he's coming, um, there's this angel that visits all three of these people about the birth of, of their coming children, you know, separate children. Um, and so for, to Zechariah, the angel says, do not be afraid. That's the first three words. To Mary, just a few verses later, do not be afraid. Over in Matthew 1, to Joseph, guess what the first three words are? Do not be afraid. You guys are following along. You guys are doing good. And so if you're dealing with fear, last year I think we actually dealt with some with that. Um, hold off on that for just a second. Um, and if you are dealing with fear in any kind of way, go back a month or two on our message stuff. And we just did a whole series called Fear Not that can help you work through that. But it's the same three words to three people that are visited by an angel. And why is the angel telling them to not be afraid? Because they're about to have a baby. And if you're about to have a baby, you need to be afraid. So, um, so it's basically like a simple message. Don't freak out, but you're going to have a baby. Like that's, I think, probably what, if you have an unexpected child or pregnancy, that's probably what the, the wife will come to the guy. He's not ready for it. All right, don't, don't freak out. Don't be afraid but you're going to have a baby. So that angel comes to all three of them and kind of gives them this message. And their responses are all different. Yeah, I think there's just this thread that we can find of, the, of God's grace that's leading them into a far deeper faith than where they've been at. So let's first look at Zechariah and, and Mary because their responses are very uncanny, but the response of the angel to their response is very different. So throw that up there now. So Luke 1.18, we find Zechariah, and his response is a question that begins with the word how. Mary's response is also going to be a question, right? You start having questions when you get a big message like this. Because for Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they were up in their years, kind of past childbearing years. And so this was a surprise. Like this was as a message he was not really ready for, ready or prepared for. So he asked this question that begins with how. Mary's going to ask one that begins with the word how. And it's, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. No, go back. I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. They're past those childbirth. Now look over to Mary's real quick. How will this be? So they both, be, it's, a, it's a response to this message. Don't be afraid. You're going to have a baby. Both of the responses begin with the word how, and it's a, there's a question. But for Zechariah, the angel's going to respond, and he's going to go mute until his child is born. So the angel's response to his questioning is to make him mute, but Mary has a very different, it starts the same, and she's asking a question, but why, why is there a different response from the angel? 
because it's the content of the question. Mary asked the question, how will this be? And so I, I think what I want us to lean into for a couple of minutes is that the content of our questions really speak volumes about our faith. They really speak about the contents of our faith. So the contents of our questions speak to the contents of our faith. And so I, I want us to kind of get to a place where we're asking the right questions because here's the difference between Zechariah and Mary's question. Zechariah's question is one of proof. He's saying, give me proof. Like, it, it's a doubting Thomas. I need to see the nails. I need to put my finger in your side. It's a question of proof, saying, God, prove it. And, and honestly, throughout the scriptures, God meets us in so many different ways. And, and it's proven through the scriptures that God meets us. And sometimes when we're like, God, I need a sign, God sends us a sign. Anybody ever had that happen before? Like, God works in that way. But for some reason, I think it has to do, again, his, the content of his question was speaking to volumes about the contents of his faith and what was going on in his heart. And so the content of our questions, and so you, you might want to just filter through and begin to think back some of the questions you've asked in this season of your life, the things you're going through and where it really doesn't make sense and some of the questions that you have for the Lord and just kind of begin to say, God, what's that saying about my faith? Because here's the difference. Zacharias was a, a question of proof, saying, God, prove yourself to me. Like, I, I need proof. I need something tangible to walk in that. And it's basically saying, can you remove all the faith part for me? Can you, can you lay out the, the evidence? And Mary's is a question of process. Like, how, how is this going to be done? How will this be? And the angel's response to Mary is, is well, this is how it's going to happen. The, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you'll, give, you'll conceive. Just like the, the Spirit of God hovered out over the waters in Genesis 1, the Spirit hovered out over Mary, and, and she conceived this child, right? And so... The, those are the differences. Zacharias is a question of proof, and Mary's is a question of process. And blessed are you, Mary, um, among all women, so you'll give birth to the Savior of the world, the Messiah. And so she took that very humbly. And so I, I think we've got to get into this, the heart of our questions, because they may be speaking volumes about our faith. I just want you to, I'm going to give you just a second. I just want you to think about some of the questions you've been asking of the Lord. And think about the contents of those questions and what those really look like and how those are phrased. Joseph, while he's visited by the angel, um, it's a little bit different. He was sleeping when he was visited by the angel. It was in a dream. It was a dream over in Matthew 1, verse 24. A little bit different. And so he doesn't have uh, an opportunity to open his big mouth and get it muted until the birth of his child. Some of us, that's how we need God to speak to us in a dream so we don't have a chance to talk back. Like some of you parents wish you could do that with your kids. Like just impart the message while they're sleeping so they don't have a chance to respond and, and talk back and they wouldn't have to get in trouble and go through that process. But look, Joseph is dealing with this from a, a really, really heavy place. Talk so much about Mary and, and, and many's, many different things, the wise men, shepherds, and all these uh, other, other people within the story. But Joseph really had, I feel, a very heavy burden um, in what he was dealing with. Um, because just kind of frame this in, in their cultural context, um, that the penalty for um, sex before marriage w within Jewish tradition was, could be death. If not death, it would be complete shunning. Um, from the community and, and just complete shame on your family. And so Joseph, the scripture is just a few verses before this, says that Joseph is weighing these things. How am I supposed to do this? Because so, it's one thing for Mary to believe the angel, right? All right, because she knows that she hasn't had sex to have, uh, to be pregnant. But it's another thing for Joseph to believe the angel 
uh, of the Lord. He's like, yeah, but, because he, he saw, you know, Shadrach looking at her while she was sweeping the dirt or something, you know. And uh, you just kind of picture, like, it was a little bit tougher for him to receive this message because he's like, I don't know. I don't know if she's, she's running around on me. I don't know. what. <laughs> so it's a bigger place, I think, even for him to have faith in this. I, I'd say they both had a lot to, to believe and trust the Lord in. But he's dealing with this, and he's wondering, how should I handle this honorably? I think he was an honorable, faithful man. Scriptures tell us that. He's wondering, how do I handle this? How do I go on? How do I protect because they were betrothed. It's similar to engagement, but not, not the same. It was a much longer process and uh, more in like the arranged marriage type deal that, that you're familiar with in other cultures in our time. And um, so he's dealing with this, and he's wondering kind of about what are the next steps. And so he goes to sleep. This angel visits him. Don't be afraid. And so he doesn't have a chance to respond, but this is for somebody. And the reason I'm bringing up Joseph today, because when God speaks to you, you know that God's spoken to you, and he lays something on your heart we don't have to ask questions. We just wake up and we obey. And so for some of you in the house, God's spoken messages in your life. He's already placed things in your heart. He's already put promises in your heart. And this is just a moment where you need to identify with Joseph and just wake up and walk in obedience. It, it, it's, that, it's that simple. Wake up and walk in the obedience that God's called us to. Because sometimes those questions will leave us mute for a long time. I just kind of imagine Zechariah as he's coming home to see his wife, because he was actually at the church, you know, at the temple, and he was doing his uh, religious duties at the time and serving when this happened. So he comes home to his wife, and he's probably flipping out. I'm just trying to picture him trying to explain this message that's about to happen. He's like doing the pregnancy thing. He's like, I don't know how to explain this to you. He's completely mute. He can't speak. I don't know if you've ever had that happen before, but that's miserable. It's nice for the first 30 minutes, and after that, you realize you need to have conversations, and it's very difficult. And so I imagine he's just doing this and acting insane, and, and Elizabeth, his wife, is probably like, you're acting crazy. You need to go take the donkey for a walk or something, you know? So, you know, you need to do something. Uh, you need to get out of here because you're acting crazy. But God is working in us even when it doesn't look like what we think it should look like. And like this series called, it's not what it looks like. For Mary, it was not what it looks like. For Joseph, it was not what it looks like. Zachariah was mute, and we could probably think, I think sometimes we could think that was just such a trying thing, and I, I'm absolutely sure that it probably was, but it, it wasn't really about that. It was really about God wanting to do something in his heart regarding his faith and the type of questions that he wanted to ask. You know, I think of... Um, uh, Mark chapter um, Mark chapter nine, I believe it's verse twenty nine, and uh, there's, or at least in Mark nine, there's this this passage of this father who comes to Jesus and his son is acting insane. He has some kind of impure spirit, and, and he wants Jesus to, to to take that away. And he uh, he he says, you know, do you believe that this has happened? This can happen. And Jesus' or the, the man's response is, I think, where many of us might find ourselves and where we need to find ourselves honestly in our faith is the man who responds, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. And I think that's a very honest prayer um, that I believe that, that Jesus sees. And so I, I think we just got to be honest with ourselves about where that faith, have that look in the mirror and just let that lead us into a, a greater sense of rewarding. I mentioned doubting Thomas. He was in that same place. I mean, he walked with Jesus, and now Jesus was literally physically standing in front of him after the resurrection. 
And he's like, I, 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 need to, I need to see the hands. I need to put my hand in your side. I can't, I can't believe. And uh, Jesus' response to him is, is powerful. He says something about our faith today. And he says, you believe because you've seen. He said, blessed are those who believe but have not seen. Right? That's really the essence of faith. And, and as Christians, as people of faith, um, we want to live our life without faith. Like, isn't that silly? Like, we, we want everything to remove it uh, from our lives. And so as this kind of, as the, kind of the, the undercurrent in which we're driving in, I want to I land over in Hebrews 11 for a couple of minutes and take this idea of faith kind of to the next level and make sure that we understand really the essence of what faith is and then help us work through on how meeting Jesus and how experiencing Jesus can provide, can really change our attitude. Anybody ever had to have an attitude adjustment? Anybody? All right. In my life, I've had to have a lot of attitude adjustments. And now with my children, I'm trying to help, help them through making an attitude adjustment. I'll tell my son, you need an attitude adjustment. I don't know what that means even, really, or how, what, the, what that really means. But I know like, we need those attitudes. I wonder today like, if we begin to open our hearts and just let, let our faith be challenged, I wonder what might begin to change in, in our attitude. Jump over to Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 3 with me. And it says this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. In fact, in fact, the rest of this chapter is going to be commending and pointing to people of the faith from Abraham, um, who had many sons, to Rahab the prostitute. So many will be commended for their faith. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we Understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is invisible. So we can really get bogged down, I feel like, in the text and trying to, to understand all this. But I just want to talk about the simplicity of what faith is. And I think it begins to, to, to lead us into it right here. Faith is confidence or it's, it's, it's full hope. And I think when we think of the word hope, we, we don't use it correctly, really, today. We, we, we kind of undermine, actually, hope by the way we talk about hope. Well, I hope so, right? I hope, it's just kind of like a, a flippant thing we just kind of throw out there. Well, I, I, hope, I hope so, but hope is like something we are like, fully assured of. Like we, we have hope in Jesus, and it's not like, oh, I hope, I hope we have, you know what I mean? Do you see the difference in kind of how we refer and deal with that? We end up undermining the, the very faith that, that we're called to, to rest in, in Jesus. And so I, I think it's actually um, Oswald Chambers said it this, said it this way, um, that, that I think he's got the quote for us, that it's a deliberate confidence. It's a deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. Deliberate. It's in the character of God. I want you to think of two people right now in your life. I want you to think of one person that you trust more than anybody else on the face of this planet. Okay, get them. Some of you are like, all right, I gotta keep going. I gotta keep going. Keep thinking. I don't trust anybody. I got trust issues. So find one person that you trust more than anybody else on this planet, and then I want you to think of your least favorite politician on the other end. All right. <laughs> so, so think, think of somebody you really don't trust. Maybe you trust every politician, and you are a unicorn if that is true. So, um, no offense to the politicians in the house, but you know, we don't always trust them. So. Um, 
Think of the person you trust the most and the person that, that you trust the least. Now, if they come to you, they both come to you with the message, and they tell you about a scene of what happened, which one are you going to believe? That's a very obvious question. You're going to believe the person that you trust. Why do you trust them? Because you trust their character, their friend, someone you rely on, someone you believe what they say. So our faith, and when we question the messages that God sends us, however they might be, on a billboard, on a church sign, God uses those things sometimes, a person in church, a dream, clouds opening, and um, a swan flying in front of you. I don't know. However, God meets you and shows himself to you and brings a message to you. When we doubt those things, we're doubting the character of God. And I'm not saying we run those through the filter of God's word. We better. We better run them through the filter of God's word because God will not speak something that is juxtaposed to his scriptures. That's very clear. Okay? So I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we don't question his character and that God will speak to us and, and is speaking to us. And it's so funny because we're, sometimes we're really frustrated that God's not speaking to us, but we're not listening. And when we do listen and we hear it, we discard it. And we doubt the character of God that he's actually speaking to us. And it's that deliberate confidence. And, and, and I'll tell you this way. Look at your faith. My dad used to say it this way. Throw your weight into it, right? There would be some things we're trying to do. This door over here kind of has some, some like stickiness to it. I'll just put it that way. There's some things that have happened. It's not in the best shape. And uh, somebody was walking to it last night. I'm like, you can go at it, but you've got to kind of throw your weight into it if you're going to get through it, and you might hurt your shoulder doing it. I, I think the same is true in our faith. We find ourselves with the seas talk, uh, tossing back and forth, with decisions to make, and we've got to toss our weight one way. We've got to toss our weight one way or the other. We can let it be an opportunity to, to doubt. I, I, I love, I think it was uh, Martin Luther. Throw that Martin Luther quote up there. He said this. Faith is permitting ourselves to be seized by the things we do not see. We let ourselves get seized by doubt all the time. Don't we? We let ourselves get seized by the moment, by our emotions, how often do we actually let ourselves be seized by faith in what we do not see? And that's what it really takes to walk with the Lord. I believe that God will just literally open up heaven and just do the miraculous in our life. And just, we just have that daily walk of just watching God do amazing things. If we just be seized by the things we do not see. I mean, not be so focused on just the tangible and what's right in front of us, but be focused on him, the things we don't see. Faith is the confidence and the assurance, the hope for what we hope for. It's a, it's a powerful thought. And so as we were talking about our questions, have you, have you come up yet with some of those questions that you've asked the Lord and what the contents of those are? Because they could be speaking something about our attitude. could be speaking that we're frustrated with the Lord's timing. It could be that we're frustrated with the way that God's created us. We're angry at God for the things that have happened to us. The contents of our questions could be speaking about the contents of our faith, and really we're questioning the character of God in that. So it's important that we know the character of God. But as we walk into this journey and we see, we see these questions and we, find our, we hear ourselves asking these questions, we should, we should bring it, uh, those back to us and say, what is this saying about how I believe about God? And most of the time, not most of the time, but sometimes when we look at that, we're like, man, I must believe in a really small God. Because I find myself exhausted and anxious about the tiniest things. And whether it's moving mountains or it's simply paying bills, 
you know, whatever that might be in your life, God is more than able for those who trust him. And so we need to walk into that. We need to walk into that. Our attitude speaks volumes, really, uh, about our faith many times. And, and shifting our weight and not to doubt, not into frustration, not into anger, but into his presence and into his heart that is welcoming us and, and bringing us along. Here's the thing. Our attitude of faith can unlock the joy of our faith. Our attitude in faith can unlock the joy of our faith. I mean, just think how that would begin to, to change in our lives if we just begin to shift our weight in the other way and trusted God. Might joy be unlocked because we're not so bogged down in a God that is incapable? C.S. Lewis, I think, said, I gave up and let God be God, <laughs> you know? I just gave up and I'm just going to let God be God and I'm going to be me and accept that. And so many times we're wanting to take God's sovereign role and not walk in who we're called to be. But there's a freedom in just letting God be God, not controlling. In fact, the word confidence, the word hope, it really, if you break it down and begin to transliterate it and like break the words down, hypostasis is the Greek, under control, under control. It's meaning that we are under, our confidence is, is leaning into the Lord. Our assurance and hope is in him. We are under his control. That's why we have that confidence in that. Adjusting our attitude can really begin to unlock the joy to our faith. And I just believe that if we begin to throw our weight in the right direction, that I don't think it's just joy that's going to begin to, to change, but I think our daily frustration for things not working in our timing, I think the contents of our questions are going to change. We might still be asking questions about how, but it, 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 they're going to be different questions. God, how are you, how are you, how are you going to do this today? <laughs> how are you going to blow my mind today? God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but you're going to do it. There's a difference in the content of, of our questions. And not, I need proof, God. I need proof. I need proof. So I, I guess the very simple thought is I'm challenging us to go deeper into our faith and be about what we say about. I'm calling for us in this house today to wake up and obey in our daily lives. When the Lord is speaking, do not, do not turn that to the side. Like, walk in that because he's going to blow our mind. There is a child coming that will prepare the way for Jesus. There is a child coming who will redeem the world of their sins. And we can have hope in that. The band's going to come and begin to, to play. And, and I just want to begin to ask you about what God's speaking to you in your faith. Because we're all in different places. That's kind of the beauty about the church. Is that we all come from different places. Um, different struggles. And we all find ourselves at the feet of Jesus in dire need of more of him and more of his grace. And today I just want to ask you, like, what's God speaking into your life? And, and what is the wake up and obey moment that God's bringing us into? What, how, how, is, how is God leading this into a deeper place in faith? And might God, just as we just go deeper into our faith, might God just blow our mind and Give us the joy of the Lord. Man, wouldn't that be amazing to just wake up and just begin to lean in there and just trust the Lord with everything, that we might be clothed with the peace of God, knowing that he's going to work everything out and not feel like we've got to do it all. 
um, before we ever moved here. It was, it was probably the biggest faith step I've ever taken in my life. I've taken lots of faith steps. But moving here was probably the biggest faith step. And I remember when I was, um, I was struggling to really, um, it was a season. It wasn't hard to walk into what God was leading us to. It was difficult to leave what he had been doing. That makes sense? Um, good, bad, ugly, they're, they're, you know what I mean? We have to fight through all of it as we go. It, was, it wasn't hard to go into it. It was just hard to kind of let go of my old patterns, to let go of the familiar, to walk into the new. And uh, I was in a really unfamiliar place. I was in South Australia, and we were in this bumpy van ride that was like four hours to see Aboriginal people and minister there. And there was this gal who was in the van with us, um, and, and I remember it like it was just five minutes ago. But we were just driving. I was listening to music. I was doing something on a phone or something and reading or I don't know what I was doing. And she says, hey, can, can I pray with you? I just feel like God wants to speak something. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, I don't even know what I'm praying about yet. <laughs> so let's just pray. And as she just, honestly, she didn't, even, she didn't pray out loud at all. Like she just literally just grabbed my hand and, uh, and we just prayed. And uh, we just kind of sat before the Lord in, in that bumpy van ride um, in the middle of South Australia. And in that moment, um, God revealed to her that, that we, were, we were moving in, in the, the coming months and that God was leading us elsewhere. Uh, no one besides our pastor at that time knew that uh, at that church. No one knew it. Um, and she had that thing. And I was struggling to actually make the step. But in that moment, and honestly, we never spoke after that moment, ever about that moment until we made the announcement. And I, and I, I came back around and I saw her. And I'm like, you knew, didn't you? And like, we never, literally did not speak another word in that prayer. It was just complete silence and spoke that. And it brought such faith and confidence in that there was never even a word spoken. It was just the peace of God that came in that moment to wake up and obey. And, and maybe, maybe you've got something kind of even small that's just kind of, it's big right now in life. It's a struggle, it's a doubt, it's a fear that you're dealing with. And what I want us to do just in this moment is I actually want you to connect with some people around you. If you're sitting by yourself, I just want you to find a couple of people. And uh, I, don't, I don't need you to pray out loud over them. I don't need you to do anything. I just need you to be present with them. And I want us to pray that God's about to affirm some things in our hearts He's about to revive some dreams. He's about to speak new promises into our life. I just believe that God's going to do that in this moment for all of us in very different ways, for very different reasons. But I want to ask you to stand. And we're going to pray as a church and pray that God would deepen our faith, that God would lead us deeper and deeper into his heart and what he's asking us to do in this life. So if you would, just if you feel comfortable, join hands. If it's two dudes, throw your arm on the shoulder. If you don't, feel comfortable doing that. Let's pray for one another. Let's build up the body in this time. God, we rest in your presence. We give up and admit, God, you are God. God, we set aside 
needing proof about every single thing, God. We trust you, whatever the process looks like, we trust you, we trust your character, we trust your heart that you are leading us deeper and deeper into the depths of your love and your grace. God, I pray that we would find revival in our faith. I pray that we would find true joy of our faith. God, there would be peace covering us in this time. God, for those that are asleep in their faith, I pray that we'd wake up and obey. Say yes. I'm just going to let the stillness and the presence of the Lord do his work as you pray for one another.